I extend Christian greetings to each of you this evening. It is good to be with you. It was a nice drive down this evening. The roads were dry. Temperature was cold, but that's okay. It's winter Bible school, right? As was mentioned, the topic that I have been assigned this evening is entitled Teammates, Not Opponents. The date was February 6, 2005. Two football teams were preparing to square off in Super Bowl 39 for the bragging rights of the best football team in the world. One of these teams, the Philadelphia Eagles, was coming off of a successful regular season in which they compiled a 13-3 record. This team had made it to the playoffs for four straight seasons, but had failed to make it to the big game. But hopes were high this year because this skilled team had made several key additions of talent in the offseason, and they had easily won their previous two playoff games. This year was not their year, however, as they lost the game by a score of 24 to 21. But despite this disappointment, the future looked bright for the Eagles heading into the next season. On paper, they were a championship caliber team, expected to compete again for the top spot. But their season didn't go as expected. Contract disputes created great, ugly distractions, and around the middle of the season, there were injuries that took a toll on the team also. Instead of finishing strong, and competing for the championship trophy, the Eagles lost eight of their last 10 games and finished the regular season six and 10, clearly out of playoff contention. What went wrong in their locker room that turned these seemingly championship teammates into opponents? Probably various things, but among them were selfish, outspoken individuals who didn't buy into the team concept. Perhaps men with personal goals rather than team goals, men with different ideas about how to accomplish what they wanted, men with priorities in different places. No, tonight my topic is not football, but I believe the concept that we can look into the concept of teammates and working together in the church can help us to win in kingdom work as we join with other ministries, organizations, and individuals. Choosing who those teammates are is not always an easy task. Just like the Philadelphia Eagles found out, choosing flashy or gifted players doesn't always ensure a good teammate or a successful season. And in our churches, choosing a preacher just because he's a good speaker or a ministry to be involved with simply because the needs are well publicized doesn't always mean that we should team up with them. The reality is that finding a good teammate to work with in our, in our conservative Anabaptist circles is a process that involves research, it involves prayer, counsel from others, and godly wisdom. And even with the best vetting process, there are times that we make mistakes and we need to make some necessary adjustments. Many times we are known by the society around us 
for our divisions and our church splits. Unfortunately, these are sometimes unavoidable, but tonight I want to look at the possibility that we can work together as conservative Anabaptists to minister to the needs around us and to learn what God has to say to us about this. While we may function very well as individual congregations, when we successfully are able to team up with others from outside of our own congregation, I believe we can have an even greater impact for God on our world. This idea of finding teammates to work with as a church has many different aspects and opportunities for us to consider. And just a few of those areas that I would like to look at this evening in regards to finding teammates, not opponents, are missions and ministries, pulpit opportunities, education, and marriage. Now, if you came here tonight hoping to receive a comprehensive list of what organizations to team up with or which speakers to avoid, what schools to attend, and all of that, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I don't have a list like that with me tonight. But I hope to share some insights from scriptures and from personal experience that can help us to carefully and wisely evaluate and choose teammates to work with, not opponents. When it comes to evaluating what organizations or what individuals we can team up with safely, there are a few questions that I think we should consider. And when I say team up with safely, I'm simply referring to the idea of not putting our spiritual testimony at risk and also remaining faithful to the teachings of God's Word. Three questions I want us to keep in our minds as we go through this subject here this evening. The first question is, what does God say to us about this organization or this individual? Pray, ask for wisdom. What does the Bible say? What does God say to us? The second question is, what does the organization or the individual believe? What is their statement of belief or their doctrine, either written or on a website, somewhere we can find that. And the third question then, what do others of similar beliefs recommend? Ask our peers what they know about them. Let's keep those questions in mind as we continue. I would like to look first at some general ideas about teaming up with others and what the Bible has to say to us about some examples, first of all, in the Old Testament to begin. First, Turn with me to Exodus chapter 34. When I mention the word Exodus, no doubt the word, the thought that comes to your mind is the children of Israel and they're leaving Egypt. And that is in fact what has happened here in Exodus in chapter 34. I want to break in at verse 11 and read through verse 16. God is talking to his people through Moses. And he says this, observe, that, observe thou that which I command thee this day. Behold, I drive out before thee. And he gives a list of nations there. Verse 12, take heed to thyself, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land whither thou goest, lest it be for a snare in the midst of thee. But you shall destroy their altars, break their images, and cut down their groves. For thou shalt worship no other god, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they go a whoring after their gods, and do sacrifice unto their gods, and one call thee, and thou eat of his sacrifice, 
and thou take of their daughters unto thy sons, and their daughters go a whoring after their gods, and make thy sons go a whoring after their gods. We'll stop reading there. But as the children of Israel had left Egypt and prepared to cross the Jordan to enter the promised land, God had some very specific rules for them and instructions for them to follow. Much of the books of Leviticus and Deuteronomy in the Bible include those laws, those rules that God had for them. And when it came to teaming up with or relating with the peoples of the land that they were entering, the Israelites were warned very clearly by God. He says, don't make a covenant or don't make a treaty with them. Don't team up with these people. He says, it may be tempting, but my instructions are to destroy their altars and destroy them as well. You're to worship me only, God says. And if you allow their altars, their images to stand, they will be a snare to you. They will trip you up. You may be tempted or tricked into eating some of their idol pagan sacrifice, uh, the meat that was sacrificed to their pagan gods. And your children, he says, will worship false gods also. I believe God understood the nature, the tendency of his people. And his warnings were to help them avoid some of the curses that he had promised if they turned away from following him. God's desire was and still is today, to bless his people. The Israelites eventually, and I think we could say oftentimes, forgot this command and disobeyed it. There's one incident that I want to look at specifically in a brief moment here tonight to draw attention to. It has an important fact in this account, I believe, that we need to keep in mind. And I would invite you to turn to Joshua chapter 9. The children of Israel had been conquering cities and kings as God had blessed them in their obedience. But here we read about a group of people that come to the children of Israel aware of what had been happening, aware of their conquest as they were marching into the promised land. And they were afraid. They had heard what was happening and they said, what can we do to preserve our people? The people are called the Gibeonites, and they had heard about the defeat of Jericho and Ai. And so they come up with a, a sneaky, tricky plan to try to save their lives. They dressed up in old clothes, old shoes. They took moldy bread and old wineskins and headed off to meet with the Israelite people. It looked like they had traveled a long way to get there. But the fact is, that was a lie. Joshua and the princes of the congregation made a treaty with them to let them live. And they were tricked into this act, or tricked into this by by the act that was performed by the Gibeonites. And I'd like to look at verse 14 in Joshua 9 just to see what it says there about how this came about. Verse 14 says, And the men took of their victuals and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. I believe this gives us a, a very interesting glimpse into what happened here where the children of Israel teamed up with a group of people, made a treaty with them, But it was not a treaty that was advised by God. In fact, they didn't even go to God and ask for his advice. They did not ask his counsel. Had they inquired of God, I believe 
they would have avoided, could have avoided being tricked. And I think as we think about choosing teammates tonight, it is of utmost importance for us to ask counsel of God before we make a treaty, make a covenant, go about teaming up and considering who to team up with in kingdom work. There are various other portions of Scripture in the Old Testament. We don't have time tonight to look at all of them, but just a few instances where in Judges 2 and 3, we can read again about God's command about not to make a league or a treaty with the inhabitants of the land. Again, the children of Israel disobeyed. And the end result was that it says they did evil in the sight of the Lord and forgot the Lord their God and served Balaam and the groves. I don't think God was surprised by that at all. In fact, he had warned them, if you make a treaty, if you team up with these people, they're going to lead you away from me. Later on in 2 Chronicles 16, we read about King Asa of Judah teaming up with King Ben-Hadad of Syria. And God had some harsh words for him because of this treaty. In 2 Chronicles 16, you don't need to turn there, but verse 7 says this, At that time Hanani the seer came to Asa king of Judah and said unto him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria, you relied on a teammate, and you did not rely on the Lord thy God, where, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet, he says, because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hands. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly. Therefore, from henceforth thou shalt have wars." Some pretty harsh words from the prophet, from God, toward this king because of a, an alliance that was not a good alliance, not a good teammate. And there's times when we may be tempted to team up with someone, but God says, you know what, I want you to rely on me. I want you to depend on me to help you with the issue that you're facing. Teaming up with someone outside of God's will has consequences that can cause great heartache and disappointment to us. Later on in 2 Chronicles 20, the story is told about an unhealthy and an unwise teaming up between Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and Ahaziah, king of Israel. Again, it's a godly king trying to find a teammate in a wicked king. It doesn't work, and God warns against it. And as we consider then teammates to work alongside in our churches, we find additional helpful instructions in the New Testament. It wasn't just in the Old Testament, but we look into the New Testament and some familiar portions of Scripture, I believe, speak to us regarding this subject. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23, Paul says, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Maybe it's a possibility that we could find someone who would be a teammate, and it would be lawful, they would be a Christian, perhaps. But we need to ask ourselves, would this teammate, would this person we're considering, or this organization we're considering teaming up with, be beneficial to us 
as conservative Anabaptist people? Would it edify the body? Would it be a stumbling block to someone else, a brother or a sister? You see, we're encouraged to seek out everyone's benefit. Paul goes on then in 2 Corinthians 6 to say this, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Here we see verses warning against finding teammates that are outside of Christ and who don't have the same goals, the same beliefs, the same values that we do. There's a danger, I believe, in teaming up with some organizations or individuals despite however skilled they may be if they are not teaching God's word and supporting our practice. If we want God's presence among us and if we want to be received by him, we're encouraged, I believe it's a requirement of us, to separate ourselves from ungodly men, from false teachers who would be opponents to us, not teammates. In fact, Paul addresses that very clearly when he writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3. He says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Paul knew what, it was, what was involved in choosing good teammates. And God wants to help us find teammates, not opponents, to work with within the church and in our churches. I would like now to transition a little bit perhaps and look a little bit closer at some of these specific aspects of teammates in the church and perhaps give some practical help for us and for our churches today. I would like first of all to look at the aspect of teammates in missions and ministries. If I were to sum up the aspect of missions for the conservative Anabaptist church today in one word, I think it would be opportunities. Today we have more opportunities available to us than ever before. I can remember as a teenager, it seemed like there were only a few mission organizations that were available to our conservative Anabaptist churches, places that we could really feel good about and team up with. But in the last 30 years or so, those opportunities have multiplied. We look around us, you probably get all kinds of 
mailings and flyers in your church and on the bulletin board and all over opportunities for us to reach out to the hurting people in the world. Faith Builders hosts a convention every other year at Calvary Church in Lancaster called REACH. This is a two-day event aimed at connecting churches and individuals with mission opportunities and organizations within our conservative Anabaptist circles. Just last year, in 2019, 53 different ministries or mission organizations were represented there. 53. A lot of opportunity out there. And at this event, each one of those ministries, those mission organizations, has a booth set up where you can go and talk to representatives from that organization and find out a little bit more about what they do, what they are involved with in their outreach. And they also, a lot of those organizations are given a section of time, a little session where they're able to explain in more detail what they are involved with, what their work looks like and what they believe, how they go about ministering and working in the places in which they are located. I've found this event to be very helpful in seeing what is out there, what our opportunities are, what the availabilities are for us to be involved. And being able to learn a little bit more about each one. There are a lot of different church groups represented at that uh, convention. And it's interesting also to see how each mission organization believes, what their beliefs are, their practices. You can see that a little bit. And if you've been to that, you know what I'm talking about. As I have gone to that a couple of times, I realize that there are certain missions that appeal more to me than others. And I think if you were to go there, you would say the same thing. There are some that don't really maybe line up with where I'm at spiritually or personally. But I, I think there's a lot of opportunities that are very good and we can see them at that location. I would encourage you, especially young people, if you're considering being involved in mission work, go there and see what's available and avail yourself to that opportunity. I think it's a good venue for looking at possible teammates for a church or an individual to partner with. I believe it's important for us to partner with mission organizations that understand and teach scripture from the perspective that we view scripture as conservative Anabaptist people. Especially since there are so many opportunities, not just within our conservative circles, but around the world. A lot of Christian organizations that are reaching out. I think it's important for us to look at what they teach and what they are all about. There are other uh, Christian mission organizations, but do they support our teachings and our doctrine? Do they teach other things that we don't support? Are the funds that are given to them used in a way that we can approve of? Are they used wisely in a responsible way? Especially when we are sending our young people from our churches to serve with these teammates, we, I think, should carefully examine what they teach and find out if they encourage what we stand for. 
I believe the same is true when we support missions financially. We want to look for teammates with similar goals and standards. I think it's important as we sometimes consider uh, places especially that are involved in counseling or ministering to hurting people even in our local areas, that those uh, teammates, those organizations are willing and uh, wanting to keep the church in the loop. And they talk about uh, parachurch organizations working alongside the church and it's important that the church and the leadership especially are kept up to date with what is happening in the lives of individuals and I think that's something we need to look for and make sure that's part of the organization that we're teaming up with. Christian Light Publications, CLP, has a directory that they put out each year and this is also another good resource for looking at different opportunities to be involved in ministries and mission organizations. <clears throat> I believe there are times though also when we have the opportunity to reach out in our communities where doctrinal issues may not be as big of a concern. Now hear me out on this, but when we're involved in meeting needs in a time of crisis or disaster locally, joining together with others even though our practices may differ, I think we can show God's love to hurting people without necessarily compromising what we believe. And just a few instances from my personal experience, over the years in our area, we have a Mennonite disaster service that has been involved in reaching out to, for instance, farmers who may be experiencing a drought and they're looking for ways to minister to them and, and we've had opportunity over the years different times to provide hay and they gather a couple of trailer loads of hay and you can donate hay and work alongside in ministering and also there's been various times after tornadoes or floods or fires that we've been able to work alongside neighbors that may be Mennonite, may be Christian, maybe are just neighbors but we've been able to work alongside them and show God's love to the people that are affected by those difficult situations. I think there are other times when we may need to avoid supporting some mission opportunities because of what they teach or what they support. Again, I make reference to a personal experience in our area. There's a thrift shop that was a thrift store that was started with the the goal, I guess I'll say it that way, of, of reaching out and helping Mennonite Central Committee with some of their proceeds that they would receive. And over the years, it seemed like it had really gone well, and, and the group that was in charge of overseeing that was supportive of MCC, but they became aware that uh, Mennonite Central Committee was supporting some things that they were not really in favor of. And so over time, they found themselves backing away from MCC a little bit and supporting more uh, some local organizations there. And, and I'm not here to say whether that was necessarily a good thing or not. I simply use that as an illustration to show us that there are times we need to consider what are we considering? Do we need a change? over time. I think sometimes ministries change and we need to reevaluate our involvement and our support with them. Uh, 
Another one I have observed over the years is prison ministry. We've had opportunities for years to be involved in prison ministry, and I think there's a great need there. And I'm sure we've all seen how that different organizations involved in prison ministry have changed over time. And so we need to be careful and wise in who we become involved with as teammates there also. I think of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. He was a man who was interested in doing God's work, rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem. But he knew he didn't have what he needed on his own. And he was able to go to King Artaxerxes, a man who was not a Christian, a heathen king. And he was asking him for all kinds of help, both financially, with materials, and just the, in general, the support to go and rebuild those walls. And he was able to receive those gifts from this heathen king. And he was able to use that to further God's work, to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem without compromising his beliefs. And I think there's a good example there for us of what can be done when we team up with others while we don't sacrifice what we believe in. We stand firm. And I think there are also times when it's not easy necessarily for us to know if a teammate is a good partner or not. Uh, there's all the, I shouldn't say all the time, there are often times new opportunities that come to us and maybe we're not familiar with them. Maybe they're not a, a mission organization that has been established for a long time and so it's, it's not always easy to know are they, would this person or would this organization be a good teammate? But I think we need to pray and keep in mind those three questions that I asked earlier. You know, what, do our, what does God say? What, do they, what does the mission organization believe? What's their doctrinal statement? And also, what do our peers that believe like we do? What, do, what are their uh, understandings of this mission organization? Things that can help us when we consider uh, choosing a teammate in mission work. The next aspect of teammates I want to look at is the aspect of pulpit opportunities. Maybe you have had the privilege, the opportunity to serve on a committee and had the challenge of wrestling with how do, I find, how do we find a speaker for the event that we want to hold, whether it's a sweetheart banquet, a Sunday evening program, a Sunday school teacher, an evangelist, or something else. One of the blessings our congregations can receive is having teachers and preachers from outside of our immediate home congregation. But how do we know who we can exchange pulpits with? How do we know who is a good teammate? I believe two things to consider here first. We should look for someone who believes, who lives, and teaches similar to what our standards are. I'm not saying we need to look for someone who is a cookie-cutter image of what we are. They don't need to be exactly like we are, identical to us, but they should encourage what we practice. And I believe they should call us to a higher level of commitment to Christ. Not encourage us to lower our standards or to compromise our practice in order to fit in with the world. Secondly, I think we should look for someone who supports what we teach and has a reputation that is favorable in the church or community from which they come. 
in a lot of ways, and it, there are some differences here, but in a lot of ways, when we consider who we want to come and speak in our churches, it's a little bit like, on a much smaller level, but a little bit like considering who we would nominate for an ordination in our church. We want someone who has a reputation that is upstanding, someone who is a God-fearing individual and who will teach the way God's word would require him to. If we have questions or concerns about a speaker that has been suggested, suggested we're blessed to have a network of, of uh, men to help us and to relate to that can help us with information. Your ministry team here has a lot of uh, sources, resources at their fingertips. You can talk to your bishop. He has contacts outside of even the home congregation here. And you can also ask the home team, the ministry team of the individual that you're considering, you know, that they go to this church. A phone call to that ministry team is not out of place to find out what, do, what is this person like? Do you know them? Are they an upstanding person and a member in your church? We need to use and appreciate the resources that are available for us to use. I'm, a, I'm aware of one situation where a, a man was asked to come and have revival meetings, and he came and did a, a good job, was, was a good speaker, a good evangelist, but as I knew this individual, I realized that the, the home setting where he came from was not a very good situation, a man with a lot of broken relationships. And so while we can be a good speaker and can make things sound good, I think it's important to look at what is happening behind the scenes, what is happening at home. And so those things I think we want to consider carefully when we think about someone to come and, and share in our preaching and teaching. A teammate that doesn't support or build up the team becomes an opponent. So what about preaching or teaching in other congregations? Maybe you've been asked to come and teach Sunday school in another church, or maybe some of you brothers have been asked, I'm sure you have, to preach in other churches. How do we consider those opportunities? Well, again, just a few points. I think we, I would encourage us not to lower our standard to fit into their settings. Not saying it's wrong to preach in, in a more liberal setting, but I would encourage us, let's not lower our standards so that we can fit in in a place like that. I think we should encourage them to follow their church practices and to grow closer to God. I believe it's important also that we respect their practice, even though it may seem more conservative than what we do or what we prefer. Remember, you are a guest speaker. You have been invited there. Let's treat that with respect. I had recently the opportunity to share in a congregation where they are still, they still have segregated seating. The men and the, the women sit on different and separate sides. Now, that's not how we practice, but we can respect that, and we can do that without making fun or belittling. I think those things are important. Sometimes there are tent meetings or other meetings held that are outside of our home congregation. Is it okay for us to attend those? 
I believe they can be a real blessing, a time of spiritual growth in our lives. But we still need to be discerning about what we hear. Is it sound biblical teaching? Or are we just looking to hear an eloquent speaker? I'm not opposed to attending such meetings, but I encourage us to be cautious and don't depend solely on them for your spiritual food. You still need to plug in in your home congregation to be fed and to be accountable there. But mention this yet in regards to pulpit opportunities. Many of us have access to Christian radio of some sort. And radio preachers or teachers can sound pretty convincing. But again, remember that most all of them come from a Protestant perspective, a Protestant point of view. And they embrace and teach a lot of doctrines that we as conservative Anabaptists cannot support. I've seen cases where men have listened to Christian radio too much, I'll say it that way. It's been a steady diet of them and they find themselves after a while becoming confused. What I'm hearing on the radio doesn't line up with what's being taught at church and what do I believe and it can be very dangerous and I think it's important for us to be careful about what we listen to and how much we listen to on the radio. Next aspect of finding teammates is in education. This includes elementary school, high school, Bible schools, and other higher education. In elementary and high school, I believe it's especially important for us to choose our teammates carefully and prayerfully. I've noticed here at Myerstown you have a lot of young children, and what a blessing that is and what a responsibility it is. Our children are laying foundations that they will build on for the rest of their lives. Do we know what the teachers that are teaching them are teaching or how they're living? Just because a school has the name Christian in it doesn't necessarily mean that it's automatically a good teammate. Just because a school is a public school doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good teammate either. Parents, I would encourage you to look carefully and thoroughly at what a school stands for and what they support. A good education is important, but not at the expense of compromising our beliefs and our standards as conservative Anabaptists. And I think another question we should ask ourselves is, do we want to be sending our young children into school settings where they're expected to, to serve as missionaries and try to teach their classmates and their teachers about what we believe? A question I think it's fair for us to consider. When it comes to Bible schools, I think there are more options available for us to choose from here too than perhaps ever before. Bible schools and colleges in general, as well as Bible schools that are run by conservative Anabaptist boards and churches. In the 2019 CLP directory, I think I counted 13 different Bible schools listed there. Now to be sure, not everyone in that group of 13 would find themselves exactly where we are in practice. But it's simply an illustration that there are a lot of opportunities for us to team up with someone 
in this case a Bible school, to help and be an asset to our team as a church. But even within that group, I think we will find different differences. And we need to look at their handbooks, their course selections carefully and evaluate what fits, what suits our situation the best, what can help us the most. In regards to colleges or other institutes for higher education, I realize that not everyone is or needs or is interested in schooling beyond high school. That's okay. But there are some jobs that do require a college-level education. Unfortunately, many of our young people have been distracted or fallen away from conservative Anabaptist upbringings when they're exposed to the cottage, yeah, college setting. This doesn't have to be, I'm convinced of that, but it takes careful and deliberate choosing to avoid this. And I don't have specific research to back this up, but my observation has been that when many of our Mennonite young people choose a Mennonite or a Christian college, it seems they tend to lose out spiritually. And I asked the question tonight, could it be that there are better teammates to join up with for a college education? I'm open to your input. I have, I didn't go to college. I'm not that smart. My children did not go to college either. But I do believe that choosing a teammate, a college teammate, is a significant decision that should be made with a lot of input from parents, from church leaders, and other trusted spiritual advisors. <clears throat> the last aspect of finding teammates, not opponents, is the aspect of marriage. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on this aspect this evening since I'm not sure that that was really what was intended when this topic was given. But I think I would be remiss if I did not mention this aspect. Our conservative Anabaptist churches are only as strong as our families. And a strong family starts with a strong team of husband and wife. All the aspects that we looked at this evening, missions and ministries, pulpit opportunities, and education have a direct tie-in to the aspect of finding a suitable teammate in marriage. Our young people are being shaped and molded as they observe and listen to what we do. What missions, what ministries that we support and are involved with are the ones that they relate to and may find their spouses from. The teachings that come from our pulpits affect the values and characteristics that our young people look for in a marriage teammate. And the schools that they attend have a profound impact on the kind of peers that they look for for a future husband or wife. In marriage, we must look for teammates, not opponents, too. Someone who will join with our young men and women and together remain faithful to the church, faithful to God. The story of Solomon is such a sad and tragic reminder of this, and you don't need to turn there, but listen to 
a summary of Solomon's life at the end of his life from 1 Kings 11. But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Zidonians, and the Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord had said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives, his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord, as did David his father. Then did Solomon build an high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he for all his strange wives, which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon, because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice. And had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. I believe that, of, that all of these aspects of finding teammates, not opponents, work together in helping us to accomplish the goal of a faithful and true church. Mission and ministry teammates pulpit opportunity teammates, education teammates, and marriage teammates are all important to a church body. Perhaps one of the best gauges on how we're doing as a conservative Anabaptist church when it comes to finding teammates, not opponents, is our young people. Are we retaining our youth in our churches? Are our young married couples staying in a conservative Anabaptist church? Is the way we choose teammates a sustainable process that will serve the next generation well in regards to preserving a faithful witness among our conservative churches? Questions I believe it's good for us to consider. I would like to close yet with some exhortation from the New Testament, first from Philippians 1 and then from 2 John. These verses, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And then from 2 John, If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. May God bless you as you consider teammates, not opponents, in kingdom work. Let's just bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you this evening for this opportunity to 
consider the idea of teaming up with organizations and individuals outside of our home congregations. Lord, we realize the opportunities are many and the benefits can be real and a blessing to us. But there's also a danger to it and we want to acknowledge that as well. Lord, I pray for wisdom, for discernment, discretion as we consider teammates that we can work alongside. Bless each one here at Myerstown. Bless the ministry team too as they work together and as they find teammates that can help to further your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.